I'd like to welcome each of you. Um, my name is Jerry Webb. I'm one of the elders here. If you've uh, come expecting to hear a message from Jerry Witham, I'm the other Jerry. So uh, I hope that'll be okay. Um, again, I'd like to welcome you on this July 14th. For uh, those of you familiar with July 14th, it's also known as Bastille Day to the French. It is their version of Independence Day. Um, We've also recently here celebrated our own Independence Day on July 4th. Uh, July seems to be the month for patriotism, doesn't it? Uh, we see the fireworks displays. We see the, uh, the parades that, that go through town. Uh, we, we see the, uh, the, the aircraft fly over an exhibition. Uh, and, and in Washington, they even saw tanks this year. Um, many of you don't know this, but uh, I grew up on Marine Corps bases. My dad was a career Marine, so patriotism is not a stranger to me. Uh, you know, yes, I saw fireworks all the time. Uh, we get to see the Blue Angels doing their flight demonstration, and they're amazing. Um, we also uh, had all sorts of things that were familiar to us and that we as kids got to do growing up. I even got to sit in the cockpit of a fire aircraft. Now, that's cool. Really. I mean, for a little kid to, to actually be able to, to grab onto the, the, the joystick and pretend that I was actually flying that phantom, that was really cool. So patriotism is certainly, for me, no stranger. And we're going to look at another patriot today. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. If you're using the Bible in the chair in front of you, that's going to be on page 664. And Habakkuk is one of those books that's it's very small. It's only three chapters long. I told the 9 o'clock service that, well, three chapters, uh, let's see, 30 minutes for each chapter. Uh, that, sh that should be good, right? Uh, actually, we're, we're going to kind of skip through there. And hopefully we'll be, uh, we'll be done in time uh, for lunch. So don't worry. It's okay. Uh, Habakkuk is one of the books of the Bible that you, you really seldom see taught. And yet there, there's just so much there that has value for us even today. Habakkuk is called one of the minor prophets. And he's not called the minor prophet because uh, of the, the, uh, the smallness of his message but only because of the size of the books. Uh, at only three chapters long, it is one of the shorter books in the, the, the Bible. But um, when we look at his message, uh, I think you will find that there is so much in that, even though it was written millennia ago, there's so much in there that applies so much today. Um, we know very little about the prophet Habakkuk, other than the fact that it was probably written around 600, 605 BC, which is about 30 years prior to the Babylonian Empire coming in and laying waste to all of Judea and hauling the Israelites off into captivity um, and destroying the temple and destroying Israel uh, for all um, we know that during that time that Israel was a land in disarray 
Um, they had seemingly forgotten about God. Uh, they had forgotten about obeying the laws. Uh, they had forgotten even the very basics of the law when it came to how they were to treat the land. You know, in the, the Old Testament, there were rules and laws set up in place where you had to allow a plot of ground to lay fallow every seventh year. You weren't to plant in there. And they had stopped doing that. Um, therefore, um, that led them into other sins and worshiping idols. So Habakkuk was really concerned about the things that he saw going on in the land at the time. Uh, the Babylonians, even though they hadn't come in completely and just wiped everything out yet, they were still raiding in the territory on a regular basis. They would come in and burn a village, take all the cattle, kill all the people, uh, and take everything that had value to it. So when we see Habakkuk, uh, we're seeing a man that is deeply disturbed by everything that's going on around him in his nation. Uh, before we go further, let's just stop here and let's have a little bit of fun. Um, how many of you watch reality television? Show of hands? Is that all? Maybe I need to define reality television. Um, uh, fixer Upper? Uh, okay, there we go. There we go. And I got to tell you, in my household, I was Chip and joanna out. Because that show would be on all the time. I swear they run it 24 hours a day. Uh, but some of the stranger shows, like Ayanla, Fix My Life. What's that all about? Or the one that I can't even bear to even think about watching, Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> oh, no. Ugh. But as you look at some of these shows, you can tell... So many of them are pretty scripted. Even Fixer Upper is pretty scripted. Uh, but if we're, if we're looking at Habakkuk, it kind of reads like a reality TV show at times because Habakkuk is a bit unusual in that it's a running conversation between Habakkuk and the Lord God. Uh, they're, they're going back and forth. And... Um, if you look at Habakkuk, we're going to try to look at the emotions also that's running through him. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 1, and we'll start with verses 2 through 5. And it says, How long, O Lord, will I call for help? And you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence! Yet you do not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists, and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored, and justice is never upheld, for the wicked surround the righteousness. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Does that sound familiar? Well, that, that's today. Um, as we read through this passage, though, it's pretty clear that Habakkuk's emotions are raw. They are. Uh, perhaps he's angry. I get a sense of anger in there. Um, 
surely he's at least distressed and maybe even depressed. Um, you know, when a person is passionate about their nation and about their people, it's all too easy to feel that way, especially for us as we look at America today. Um, I can look back at America 50 years ago, and it wasn't this way. Um, yes, when I was a kid, um, we had Vietnam going on, and uh, that at times was pretty ugly. We had, uh, back then, civil rights issues, just as we do today. Um, but things still seem different. Um, but in Israel at the time, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of, dis- uh, of strife and dissension and destruction from the Babylonians. So let me ask a question. I, I guess it's hypothetical, but uh, I'm wondering what upset Habakkuk the most. Was it the fact that God seemingly didn't even see what was going on or that he didn't hear the cries of the people or even worse? They did see, and he did hear, and he didn't care. Um, perhaps those are some of the thoughts that were running through Habakkuk's mind. Um, perhaps that's some of the thinking that you and I have today as we look at our own land and our own nation. Um, for us today, it's easy to see that, that justice seems to be far away at times. Our politicians... Um, and our, our government just, they seem to serve themselves more than they seem to serve us. They, they fight and they bicker and they squabble and they get very little actually leading or legislating done. Um, our healthcare industry is a mess and it just seems to, to be dominated by the corporations. Uh, recently, my wife Diana had a prescription that went from a $6 price tag to a $200 price tag. How is that fair? How is that, how is that justice? It's not. Um, we had a well-publicized case several years ago in California where a young man at Stanford who was an athlete uh, assaulted a young woman, and at the trial... He was found guilty, and the judge gave him pretty much a slap on the hand. And the judge's rationale for that was, well, I didn't want to ruin that young man's life. He has such a promising life ahead. Where's the justice there? Um, Since Roe v. Wade became the law of our land, allowing abortion, over 61 million babies have been murdered. So, much like the prophet, we live in a time where justice is seemingly very scarce. I have to tell you a story, and um, this one's hard for me to tell because um, it's all about a time when my emotions were really raw. Um, And let me back up just a little bit because a couple of months ago when we were sitting around uh, in one of our elder meetings, we were discussing this series 
and we were talking about doing a series on the verses or the passages that really impacted our lives and our hearts and changed us. And, you know, my, my first thought was, oh, Ephesians. I, I, I love Ephesians. It's my favorite book. And then, no, almost immediately after that, I said, no, Habakkuk. And, <laughs> they, and then Jerry asked, well, which part? I said, all of it. <laughs> so um, I'm going to take you to a time where uh, it, it's really strange that it's a, a coincidence because it happened 25 years ago this weekend. Um, Caleb was born at uh, uh, Presbyterian Plano, and he was born with a cleft. And his, um, his facial structure was open from the top part of his nose all the way in through his lip and through his gum line and into his palate. And immediately the doctors were asking, did we know about this? And the answer was no, we didn't. Um, and then next thing I knew, we were surrounded. We had social workers. We had a, a, a nurse from a surgical team uh, at Children's there. We had the, the hospital chaplain, uh, uh, chaplain. And we were just inundated with folks. And uh, we were stunned. And I have to tell you, I was angry. Uh, I was angry with God, and I vividly remember 25 years ago yesterday, I was standing out on the ambulance dock of that hospital. You can do anything you want to to me, but you leave my kids alone. Tough. Emotions were raw. And God wants us to have that kind of relationship with him where we can take a raw emotion and give it back to him. And he loves us anyway. He so deeply cares for us that when we're in circumstances and situations where we're overwhelmed, we can come to him. Um, so that leads us to God's answer to Habakkuk. You'll find it starting in chapter 1 of verse, or verses 5 through 11. God tells Habakkuk, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days, and you would not believe it if you were told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, um, that fierce and impetuous people who march through the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their hordes of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings, and rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and heap up rubble to capture it. Then they will sweep through the wind 
or sweep through like the wind and pass on. But they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. So imagine for a moment the emotions of Habakkuk at that point. He'd come from perhaps shaking his finger in anger at God or distress to his bones or depression. And then all of a sudden that begins to fade away as he realizes that God is doing this. God is in control. God raises up nations to judge other nations and brings them low again. God raises up individuals to do great and mighty things, both for good and for evil. And then he brings them low again. Um, When we see such things, it's hard for us to comprehend sometimes how things like that can be done by God. But God is not just a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. Um, If you look at our nation again, we've done much over the past century. We have uh, created air flight. You know, our, our planes don't always crash when they go up in the air. They do sometimes. But we were the first ones to actually go up in an aircraft Thank you, Wright Brothers, and actually have it come down in a controlled fashion. Um, We helped save Europe, Africa, Australia, much of Asia during World War II. Uh, We were the driving force behind winning both of the world wars. Um, We explore space. Uh, We have made marvelous breakthroughs in medicine and in science, and yet... We as a nation have abandoned God. So, do you think our nation will remain as a nation that God wants to use in a great and mighty positive way? Perhaps not. But we're going to come back to that. Let's look at Habakkuk's response to what God's telling him. In chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I'm reproved. So what's what's Habakkuk saying there? I'm going to go up to a high place, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to listen for him. I will wait on the Lord. And many of the times that we're going through personal troubles, distress, anger, depression, sometimes we just need to go to a a quiet place and wait on the Lord. Um, In seeing that, though, we can already see that the prophet's attitude has begun to change. Um, Then we see God's response or we'll just look at part of his response uh, in chapter 2, verse 4. It's going to be very familiar to you. It says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
It's a verse that a man 500 years ago named Martin Luther uh, nailed, to a, uh, nailed to his heart. And he ended up writing 95 statements and nailing them to the door in his little church in Wittenberg, Germany. The righteous will live by his faith. Um, it's a theme that was common in the New Testament. You see it in Romans 1.17. You also see it in Galatians 3.11. But I love how the writer of Hebrews put it in chapter 10, verses 36 through 39, where it says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, he's talking to all of us, by the way, um, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is, who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. See, we are to live by faith regardless of what circumstances that we have. Um, so, what about for us? Um, in the grand scheme of things, you and I may not be so individually important. Uh, you or I may not ever become senators or the, the president. It could happen. Um, you or I may not be the, the president of uh, a major corporation. Um, so that doesn't mean that we're not important, but what's most important than us is the message that we carry. Um, you see, we as Christians have a responsibility to share the love and the grace that we've been given through salvation of uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross to pay for the sins that we have so that we might have life through him. And not just life, but abundant life and joyful life. Um, so if we look back at Habakkuk, his heart begins to change even further. I love this um, in chapter 3, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. But in your wrath, remember mercy. Okay, so we've gone from Habakkuk demanding justice to Habakkuk begging for mercy. Back when um, I was still allowed to drive, um, by the way, the eye doctor took my license away. He didn't feel that it was uh, safe for me to actually be behind the wheel of a car. And for that, you guys really should be grateful. Uh, I will offer to drive anyone anywhere. Uh, just be wary. Um, but uh, Habakkuk realized that he was now in a position where he needed to beg for mercy. Um, there was a time when Diana and I were driving along, and we were just tooling along, just chit-chatting back and forth. And all of a sudden, I hear the, the siren. And I see the, the little flashing lights in the rearview mirror. And I thought, what have I done? 
And I pull over, and the biggest policeman I've ever seen began to get out of that car. I, I swear, he was 12 feet tall and covered with hair, and he was so large that so he started to block out the sun over our car. And he comes up to our car and, do you have any idea why I pulled you over? And of course I didn't. And then he asked, the other one, uh, do you have any idea how fast you were going? And of course I didn't know that answer either. Uh, and he, he told me that I was going 47 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone. Now, at that point, I had two choices, right? I could have said, officer, I am so guilty. I demand justice. Prosecute me to the fullest extent of the law. Give me the maximum fine. Pull me away in handcuffs. No, I wanted mercy. I was telling, Lord, you can look at the condition of our car. We can't afford a fine. We're, we're just a poor young couple. We got no money. Uh, so we didn't want justice. We wanted mercy. And when we see our nation, so many times we have the attitude of, man, we need to have justice here. But in reality, maybe we need to start begging the Lord for more time and for mercy for us to get that message of the gospel across. Give us mercy, Lord, for our land. Um, so if we start to wrap up, I want to look at uh, um, this final passage um, in Habakkuk verses 15 through 19 in chapter 3. It, uh, it's, it's beautiful. The, the language is beautiful and the message is beautiful. And Habakkuk replies to the Lord, You trampled on the sea with your horses, on the surge of many waters. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones. And in my place, I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. And though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. And he has made my feet like hind's feet. And he makes me walk on the high places. Wow. That's amazing. He's changed his attitude completely. What started as anger and discouragement has become joy in the knowledge that bad things are going to happen, but God is sovereign over all. And we're going to trust him, and we're going to live by faith because that's the people that God would have us to be. So where do we stand today? We've talked about much of it. Um, we live in dark times. Our borders are a mess. 
Uh, they're seemingly wide open, and our immigration laws are terrible. Um, our politicians are seemingly even more of a mess, and our weather is uncertain. Uh, I have to tell you about our fig tree. Um, uh, it's really cool that a fig tree is called out for not producing fruit. Uh, I have this beautiful, large fig tree in the front of our house, and our neighbors love to get the figs, and uh, I like making fig preserves to hand out to friends and family, and last year, we got no figs. I had this beautiful crop that was covering the tree. It's a big tree, by the way, Um, and it was full of figs. And then we had this week last year where it was 113 degrees for a week straight. You remember that? It was miserable. My fig tree, uh, fig tree thought so too because all those figs withered and went away. I didn't get a single fig. So I think I need to do a, a Paul Harvey for you and tell you the rest of the story. Any of you guys remember Paul Harvey? Uh, He was famous on the radio for uh, telling us a part of the story and then coming back after a commercial break and doing the rest of the story. Well, you guys need to to, to hear the rest of the story. Um, You know, when Caleb was born and we were surrounded by all of these folks, uh, we had to take him that next week to uh, a, a clinic at Children's Hospital downtown Dallas. And they have a special plastic surgery unit uh, for the little ones. And it was actually started by a, a famous movie actress from many decades ago, Greer Garson. Um, and the doctor in that clinic is one of the most renowned physicians uh, at maxillofacial surgery. Uh, so there's the surgical clinic on one side of the office and then there's the orthodontics clinic on the other side. And then there's this big waiting area. And then outside the waiting area, there's this little hallway that's set up next to the windows with a whole bunch of console games for the, the kids to go play. Great little area. And we used to take Caleb on a regular basis, you know, de- depending on what stage he was in. He had several surgeries uh, through his early life and Uh, He had braces twice. Um, And by the way, for you parents, insurance company, they don't pay for braces. Um, So for us to have to pocket or out of pocket that twice, that was not fun. But um, I took Caleb for his annual visit one time. And I think he was about 10 years old. And there was this, this man there in the waiting area who had his little daughter. And I could tell that that little girl was just like Caleb. And she even had a very similar uh, uh, issue with her cleft. And I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to go minister to that man. And he was a brother. He was a fellow believer. But he needed that arm around his shoulder. Um, 
Sometimes we don't know why we go through the things that we do. But it is for God's glory. And sometimes it's for our benefit, and sometimes it's for the benefit of someone else. We just never know. But what we have to do is choose joy. Um, Romans 8.28 is very familiar. Uh, It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. See, God has a plan. may not always be comfortable. In fact, for us, it's seldom been comfortable. Um, I mentioned before, Dad was a career Marine, and he had a saying. You know, he, he basically said that uh, the Marine Corps finds uh, pl- uh, plenty of ways to make me uncomfortable. I don't need to, to make myself uncomfortable on purpose. So we never did fun things like going camping. The Marine Corps took in camping a few times. Fun places like Vietnam and Korea and um, Crete. Um, So we may not always be comfortable, but if we're following after God, um, we're right where we need to be. Um, Sometimes we face job problems and we struggle financially. Um, Sometimes... We struggle with depression, and that's okay. Um, Those are the times when we need to rely on God and to rely on those of us here in the church to come around and just put our arms around you and love you because you're family. Um, I love 1 Peter 5, 7, where it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. This is a choice, by the way. Uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Throughout your circumstances, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, Many of you have been in situations where finances are tough. Um, When Diana and I were first married, uh, I remember a time when I got paid, and she was a full-time student, by the way, and I got paid almost nothing, but I loved what I did. Um, So we sat down, and we paid the bills, and we wrote our check out for the tithe, and then we had $2.38 left. Not much left in the pantry. And it was shortly thereafter, we received a money order. Slipped into our mailbox. Anonymous. $100. Back then, $100 bought a lot of groceries. Then we had parents uh, take us to the grocery store shopping. Wow. God's grace. God's provision. Um, Another thing that um, we need to choose is to choose to grow the fruit of the Spirit rather than growing the the fruit of the things of this world. Uh, Look at Galatians 5, 22 through 25. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, right? We're choosing joy. Uh, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And against such things, there is no law. Now, for those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Remember, farming is intentional. When we choose to grow those fruits of the Spirit rather than fruits of the things of this world, we're farming our own spiritual lives. Um, Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, at all times and in all circumstances. And again, I say rejoice. We have to choose joy despite our circumstances because joy is completely independent from our situation. Um, We never should forget also that the righteous live by faith. We who have been called to follow Christ have to live by faith, regardless of what's going on in the the world around us. Um, Finally, don't give up on going to church. Um, That's where we get ministered to, as well as where we can minister to each other. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, That's one of the more important things um, that we do. As pastors and elders, it's our role to teach uh, everyone who sits in the congregation to do the work of the ministry. That's in Ephesians 4, by the way. Uh, the, The converse to that is everyone that sits in the congregation, it's everyone's role to minister to those around us, to to hold out grace and hope and peace and love and joy. Despite our circumstances, God is sovereign and God is in control.